0: That means that families are having to take the really, really heartbreaking decision to send their children into America and stay in Mexico themselves. Welcome to another episode of America Explained, the podcast that brings the important voices and perspectives shaping American politics, foreign policy and culture to an international audience. Welcome to another episode of America Explained, the podcast which helps you understand what's going on in that strange land across the ocean. I'm your host, Andy Gorthorpe, sat here recording in The Hague, and I'm hoping that if you want to support our effort to bring independent experts and the very voices themselves which are shaping debates over America and its place in the world, then you will subscribe for free in your podcast app and tell a friend about what's happening here. And be sure to check out our new website designed by my very own podcast growth consultant, Anne Stoop. So, today we're going to talk about the situation on the southern border, where illegal migrant crossings are on track this year to be the highest in two decades, and as a result the Biden administration is facing one of its earliest and biggest tests. Numbers have been increasing steadily for about a year. This follows also recent spikes in arrivals, such as under Obama in 2014 and under Trump in 2019. So this is a very long running issue, and today we're going to unpack some of its implications. So what exactly is the situation on the border? What's causing it? And what implications will this have for US immigration policy and politics going forward? These are the questions that we're going to talk about today. The number of people arriving at the southern border of the U.S. and being apprehended by border patrol and then sent back has been rising steadily since April of last year. And it's currently on course to make this year the year with the biggest number of apprehensions in 20 years with perhaps one or two million people being caught at the border and then sent back. So... These events have sparked a lot of news coverage in the US, they've sparked a lot of debate among political figures and policymakers, mainly focused on two issues. And the first of those is whether this huge surge in arrivals represents a crisis and what might be done about it. And secondly, what's the fate of children who've crossed the border and then ended up in government-run detention facilities? There have been a lot of reports of overcrowded, unsanitary, unsafe detention facilities being used to hold, hold very young children. And this has caused a great deal of concern, particularly on the left wing of American politics. So to understand what's going on here and the challenge that's facing the Biden administration, we first have to look at the set of policies which they inherited from Trump just a few months ago and which have determined what's happened so far under Biden too. The most important of these is something that the Trump administration implemented last year, which was that after the coronavirus pandemic began, the White House basically kind of strong-armed force to the Centers for Disease Control, which is the Public Health Authority in the US, to basically close the border. To say that as a public health measure, we are no longer accepting anyone crossing the border and staying or applying for refugee status. So this was called Title 42, that's just a reference to the, the, the law that gives um, the CDC this power. This was really gleefully implemented by the Trump administration. It was great for them to have an excuse to do what they'd wanted to do all along, which was completely close down the border. And closed down the normal system of refugee processing which happens there. This normal system is that, well, basically anyone who arrives at the the border under both federal and international law has a right to apply for asylum. And that's what a great many people had been doing in recent years as they fled poverty and persecution in Central America. The Trump administration had long wanted to shut down this refugee system to stop people coming and claiming refugee status, and the coronavirus gave them this great pretext for doing that. Previously, they'd been experimenting with other ways of attempting to stop people from coming. So one system was called Remain in Mexico, where basically if people came and crossed the border and applied for refugee status, they would still be given a hearing and and a chance to go before a judge and prove that they had an asylum case, but they were forced to stay in Mexico, often in very, very unsafe kind of temporary tent encampments while they waited for that hearing. Another way the Trump administration tried to determine, people from coming was of course the infamous family separation policy which was in place in 2018 where they separated children often very very young children from their parents if they all crossed the border as a family unit and then they often basically never reunited the the parents with the children and in fact to this day there are still families who've never been reunited after suffering this policy. The pure purpose of this policy, as it was announced by the administration, was to make families suffer to inflict emotional torment on them so they wouldn't want to cross the border. Now, family separation is, of course, long gone as a policy. Even Trump couldn't couldn't maintain that because there was so much political opposition. But actually, many, many aspects of Trump's border policies remain in place. So the Biden administration has, for now, ret- retained the public health expulsions, meaning that the vast majority of people who cross the border are just sent straight back without any opportunity to make an asylum hearing or any hope of staying in the United States. So in fact one reason that the number of border crosses is so high right now is that actually many people are trying multiple times to cross the border so they get counted 1, 2, or 3, or 4 times in the apprehension figures. So when you hear these figures saying that 100,000 people cross the border, in reality, firstly it's actually less people than that, And secondly, about 90% of them get sent straight back either to Mexico or to whatever their country of origin is. But the Biden administration, despite keeping in place this very draconian border policy, has made a few changes to Trump's policies. The most important one is that they've decided that they're not going to expel unaccompanied children who cross the border. So if if a child, and this means anyone who's under the age of 18, walks across the border on their own then they will not be sent back instead they get um temporarily placed in a detention facility, and then they get reunited with a family member who's already present in the United States. But this is where it becomes really important to discuss the the changing composition of migrant flows, and the way that they've been changing over the last couple of decades. From the 1960s through to around about the time of the financial crisis in 2008-2009, it was overwhelmingly single Mexicans who were coming across the border, either in search of economic opportunity or to reunite with family members. There was this really big shift around that time and basically Mexicans stopped coming in such large numbers and from about 2010 onwards Arrivals at the southern border have mainly been adults from Central America, but also a huge surge in families coming across the border, and also unaccompanied children coming across the border. So this was why Trump turned to family separation to try and stop people from coming, because at that time a huge number of the the people coming across the border were parts of family units, which was a big change to. Basically, decades and decades of of the experience at the southern border before that. Last year, this situation flipped again, kind of confusingly. So since April of last year, there's been this huge surge in single Mexicans coming across the border, making up by far the, the largest group. And as a proportion of the total, fewer families and fewer unaccompanied children. So the number of unaccompanied children who are staying in the US as a result of Biden's change of policy is not that great. It's something like about 10,000 or so um, per month. But even this number of children coming across the border is proving much more than the refugee processing system can cope with. So when an unaccompanied child arrives at the southern border, they get you know, Usually, we think of people trying to sneak over the border and avoiding Border Patrol. What refugees do is they, they seek out the Border Patrol, they go and hand themselves in to Border Patrol personnel, and they make a refugee claim, they make a claim for asylum. Then what usually happens is that they will then be be processed they undergo an initial interview to to try and check out their asylum claim then they get sent to a detention center where they're held and and the law says they're only allowed to be held for 72 hours in a detention center then they have to be sent onwards into the us usually by being reunited with a family member who's already present in the country and they stay with that family member until they receive a, a day in court where an official decision will be made on their asylum application. But that can take months or years. What's happened is that under the Trump administration, though, there was no effort made to make sure that Border Patrol could house the number of children who were arriving at the border so the system at the moment is completely overwhelmed. There's not enough space to hold all the children who are coming, no attempt was made in the Trump administration to expand this and some facilities had to be closed down because the treatment of children now was so notorious. So there's not enough capacity right now which is why we hear these stories about overcrowded facilities Uh, where, you know, children are being crammed into detention cells that were not made to hold the number of children who are in there right now. Another aspect of this system is that it's, it's causing families to choose to separate themselves within Mexico. So when you have a system which means that only children can stay in the country and if, you know, you come as a family unit you'll get expelled, That means that families are having to take the really, really heartbreaking decision to send their children into America and stay in Mexico themselves. Now that might be made easier by the knowledge that the children will come and stay with a family member who's already present in the country, which often happens, but it's important to understand that that this system is also very inhumane and it's leading to families having to be separated. This is a breakdown of of what's happening and after a short break, I'm going to talk about why this is happening right now and, you know, what is it that might lead a family to make this heart-wrenching decision to send their child unaccompanied alone into the United States. You're listening to America Explained, a podcast about the United States for an international audience. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, tell a friend and leave a positive review on your podcast platform. The debate over why migrant flows happen is always very very politicized so particularly when you have a democratic administration the republicans are always going to want to say well you know in this case biden is weak he sent this message that the border is open and that's why we see this current surge of people coming and indeed that's basically what they're saying right now so republicans are throwing a lot of criticism at democrats claiming that the reason that the border is so overwhelmed right now is because Biden is weak on the topic of border security. Now, we don't actually have a whole lot of high-quality research on why people choose to migrate and, and what role this kind of messaging plays, but my take on it is this. It is clear that messaging has some sort of impact, so if some hypothetical US president declared that the border is completely open, then clearly a lot of migrants would come. And Biden has indeed sent some signals that his administration is taking a soft approach on migration. You know, a lot of this was out of a desire to really signal that there was a a sea change from the Trump administration's border policies, which had been perceived in America and around the world as incredibly inhumane. So Biden really wanted his supporters in particular, and also Americans more generally, to see that he wasn't just leaving the Trump administration's border policies in place. Now, this You know, this was a little bit confusing because actually he has left in place the most consequential of those policies, which is the, the public health expulsions justified by the coronavirus which is currently leading the administration to to send back 90% of people who cross the border. But but Biden did want to send this message to his supporters that he was changing and and you know for instance the decision to allow children in is, is part of that. And this messaging undoubtedly has some impact. You know, Spanish language media really really repeats what's happening, you know, it, and people throughout Mexico and Central America will have seen they'll have seen footage of children arriving in the West. so this does have some sort of impact but but There's two reasons that I think we should downplay this. So firstly, there's the fact that migration is a business. The so-called coyotes who make a living getting people to and then over the border have a real incentive to always tell people that crossing the border is easy because then they make more money. So they're always going to pick up on any kind of small signals that they get out of the administration to try and justify the idea that, that people should go to the border and try and get over it and in the process give them money for doing so. You know, this combines with the, the second and I think much more important factor, which is that people come to the border and try and cross it mainly because of the conditions where they come from are so bad that they see no other alternative. And, you know, you can see this very easily by considering the fact that the last large surge was in 2019 when Trump was president, even though nobody can claim that Trump was soft on the border. And that surge is very difficult to understand in terms of messaging from American administrations, but it's very easy to understand if you look at deteriorating conditions in Central America. For this wave, there's two points of origin to consider. So it's really notable that the current wave has consisted so heavily of Mexican adults, given that this defies all recent trends. And you know, as I mentioned previously, large-scale migration from Mexico was was something that had really not been a feature of the border over the last 10 years when there'd been the shift instead to Central American arrivals. But this huge influx of, of Mexicans is clearly a product of the coronavirus. So the Mexican economy shrank by about 10% last year. That's the biggest plunge since the 1930s. It's about three times more than the US economy contracted last year. And even though the US economy, sure, it took a real battering last year, The enormous economic stimulus measures passed by Congress this year and last year have really kept the American economy afloat and that's made America a much more attractive place to be compared to Mexico when we consider economic conditions right now. The other point of origin that is really consequential at the moment for migrants and refugees is Central America. So the so-called Northern Triangle countries of Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador have struggled for a really long time with gang violence, with corruption, with poverty, and with abusive state security forces. Last November, these two countries were also smashed by two Category 4 hurricanes, Hurricanes Eta and Iota, which have devastated whole regions of the countries and left many people without, enough food, much less employment or economic opportunities. So when you pack this on top of the environmental challenges that are already facing the region, for instance, over the last decade there's been really below average rainfall in the Northern Triangle countries and the United Nations says that this has left about 3.5 million people without inadequate access to food. So you take all of these factors together and you can clearly see that there's enormous push factors encouraging people from Central America to try to gain entry to the U.S. What's really notable about these push factors is the extent to which they're long-term. So, you know, the Mexican economy is always going to be subject to, to dips and to problems, and, you know, usually or, or always the, the performance of the American economy is going to vastly outstrip that of the Mexican economy. And also these environmental and governance challenges facing Central America are very, very long-term. So just to give an example of how much power criminal gangs have in in many of Central American countries and, and how much they terrorize people, these gangs are so powerful that they often threaten refugees all the way up through Mexico. So people fleeing gang violence in El Salvador get to the Mexican border and find that the Salvadoran gangs have people working for them on the border who continue to threaten and even kill people after they flee. So the gangs are attempting to, to to become so omniscient, so capable of terrorizing people, that even when they flee the country, the gangs can still get them. So it's this attempt to create the impression that there's no escape from their power, there's no escape from the despair that they cause. And this is one reason why families are taking this heart-wrenching decision at the border to send their children over so they can get to the United States to get to somewhere where they are safe. None of these factors is going to change anytime soon, and the Trump administration's approach of basically trying to scare people, to to terrorize them, you know, to try to say, well, If you come to the border, very bad things will happen to you, so you shouldn't come. That didn't work, you know, the the United States is never going to treat people as badly at the border as they are being treated back home in the Northern Triangle countries by criminal gangs and corrupt and abusive government officials. So even if this terrorizing approach was humane and was moral, which it isn't, it doesn't work as we saw by this huge border surge in 2019 under Trump. So this kind of turns our attention to, well, what actually is the Biden administration doing and what can it do about this situation given the really, really long-term nature of these push factors which are encouraging people to come to the border? And I'm going to turn to that topic just after this short break you're listening to america explained a podcast about american politics foreign policy and culture for an international audience like it then tell a friend and help us grow First thing to say about what the Biden administration is doing is, is we should probably start at the border itself. So what is being done, what can be done to help safely and humanely process refugees who arrive at the border? It's going to take a really long time for the Biden administration to undo the damage that Trump did to America's ability to process refugees safely by treating the border entirely as a security challenge rather than a humanitarian one, Trump really failed to invest in the sort of facilities that were needed, things like safe places to keep and process children before they're sent onwards to their relatives in the United States. The System of of detention facilities and, and kind of law enforcement apparatus at the border was set up to deal with single adults who were usually going to be deported very quickly. It was set up during this previous wave of Mexican administration. It wasn't prepared to deal with family units and unaccompanied children. And the need to do this only really became apparent in the very final years of the Obama administration. So 2014 was the first year that we saw this huge influx in the arrival of family units. And the Obama administration didn't really have time to do anything about this. And then the Trump administration represented four wasted years in making the necessary adjustments because they focused so heavily on on this hardening of the border and on trying to scare people into not coming. So the Biden administration is working to expand its capacity to deal with children safely and humanely near the border, they're working with local civil society groups and charities, they're trying to open new facilities that are more appropriate for holding children in the short term, but that's going to take a long time. And it's also important to realize that, so the Biden administration has this policy for children, it's trying to make conditions better for children, and it's letting them in, but the administration has taken the decision not to completely open the floodgates, so they've kept in place the public health expulsions of the Trump administration, and they've not announced any plan to unwind that yet. And it would indeed be enormously politically difficult for the administration to say that it's going to let anyone arrive at the southern border when it has, for instance, these travel restrictions in place for people arriving from other parts of the world. So currently the border remains almost entirely closed even to refugees. Biden did start allowing in some families who'd previously arrived under the Trump administration and then been sent back to Mexico to wait for their asylum claims to be processed. But otherwise, that's it. He's not letting other people into the country at the southern border right now. The long-term strategy here, so far as I can tell, is basically to wait for the Mexican economy to pick up again and to hope then that that will mean fewer people from Mexico want to come. And the administration is also doing a few things to work with Mexico in the meanwhile to try to slow down the flow of arrivals. So, just last week, The administration announced that it was going to loan Mexico several million doses of coronavirus vaccine. This has been a very sensitive issue in the U.S. and indeed around the world, that Western, richer countries have not been sharing vaccines with less developed countries. It's very politically difficult for an American president to say, I'm sending vaccines abroad, even though all Americans haven't yet received a vaccine. Even though, you know, to do this would in many ways help the world's efforts to deal with the coronavirus. So the fact that the Biden administration has sent vaccines to Mexico is very, very notable. It's an attempt to try to get Mexican economy running again, to reduce the flow of people trying to come across the border. But there also seems to be another aspect to this agreement, which actually isn't been talked about so much in the media, which is that it also seems the Biden administration is trying to externalize this problem to an extent and get Mexico to reduce the flow of migrants itself. So this has echoes of the approach that the European Union has taken in agreements with Libya and Turkey to try and get those countries to clamp down on refugees who are flowing over their territory territory into the European Union and a few days ago after the US announced this, this deal with Mexico and coronavirus vaccines The Mexican army suddenly announced that it would be closing its own southern border and send the army there to keep it closed and stop people coming from Central America. American liberals really don't want to see their government exercising a heavy hand at their own southern border, but it's much easier to outsource the problem to Mexico. You know, we saw this political dynamic in the European Union where segments of the population, segments of of public opinion that were very much in favor of liberal policies on their own borders didn't really complain too much about getting other countries instead to carry out the securitized enforcement. So by outsourcing this problem to Mexico, the Biden administration probably hopes it can buy itself some time to get those numbers of arrivals down a little bit and then move to more long-term solutions to this problem. But Even though a return to the pre-COVID status quo might be acceptable in Mexico, so prior to coronavirus, not many Mexicans were trying to come to the US, the Mexican economy was doing well, you know, and going back to that situation, will probably shut down the number of Mexicans coming into the country, but a return to the pre-COVID status quo in Central America is not going to stop refugees coming from there to the US. The Biden administration is instead investing a lot of hope in a root causes approach, basically hoping that the US can help to stand up civil society and responsible governance and economic growth in Central America, and that over time, this should stop people from wanting to come. Kind of the similar process that's happened in Mexico, as the Mexican economy has really taken off, fewer Mexicans have wanted to come, and they're hoping the same thing can happen in Central America. But, You know, we should be very sceptical of this, because firstly, this would take a really, really long time, and secondly, the US does not have a good track record of nation-building, of, you know, fostering things like responsible governance, fostering things like economic growth, like the rule of law in foreign societies. So not really a lot of store can be placed in this as a long-term solution, even though of course... The U.S. should send aid and it should send help to Central America. But, you know, when that aid and that help is being funneled through very corrupt governments, you can't have a lot of hope that this is going to solve the problem anytime soon. And in the meantime, refugees are going to keep coming. You know, the Trump administration failed to equip America to deal with this problem because they didn't want to. They wanted to terrorize people into not coming. And that's not only immoral, but it didn't work. And it's important to stress that refugees in no way constitute a security problem or an economic problem for America. Immigrants are in fact one of the things which keeps the American economy growing so strongly. And instead, this is a humanitarian problem, and it's a long-term one that's going to continue for as long as conditions in Central America are as bad as they are. This, you know, this means that any administration faces also a political problem because the the arrival of these refugees is always perceived as been some kind of political failing on the part of whichever American administration is in office and given conservative opposition to immigration. In the short term, the only way to deal with both of these problems is to develop a border infrastructure which works, one which can safely and speedily process refugee claims and remove the impression of chaos at the border. Other than that, Americans need to accept that their position as the wealthiest society on the American continent is going to continue to make them a magnet for refugees and economic migrants who are seeking opportunities and seeking safety which they cannot find in their own countries. That gives it a special responsibility not just for the the interests of everyone else on the continent but indeed out of America's self-interest to help these societies deal with their problems, however hard that might be. Is the Biden administration going to be up to this task and to balancing the domestic political problems that the arrival of migrants bring against their desire for a humane approach? Well, keep tuning into America Explained to stay updated and to find out more about later developments. That's all we have time for this episode. Thanks for listening to America Explained. You can contact us on producer at america-explained.com or through the America Explained Facebook page. I'm your host, Andy Gawthorpe. Designer and advisor is Janice Killian. Music by Soundwave. America Explained is an APD media production. See you next time.